think that's kind of the only one that's a true wash. Uh, I'm trying like yeah. what other dominance like you know. Well, again, you got like Ruth uh, and Bonds and Mays. I think there's a debate there, you know. So yeah, Gretzky's the only like hands down. I think like the hands down you can't even like debate, and so I mean. Thanks for joining us, guys. We're just talking about greatest of all time, and we'll have some uh, sections here where we talk about debatable things. Uh, before we get into all of that, though, obviously we'll kick off with the uh, cool intro that we have that everybody seems to love. The music's great, and the video is great. Jordan. going on thank you for joining infinity sports i'm wayne g joined as always by sully oh did you freeze on me oh there you go (laughs) Um, so so sully's yeah sully's joining me here (laughs) Uh, obviously we have a really cool show today because we're gonna be experimenting something you guys get to be the guinea pigs for this new experiment uh so we're gonna try that out we also wanted to let you guys know if you are watching us you are probably watching us on facebook live but you can also find the show on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher, as well as YouTube. We are on YouTube Live as well, but you can find the full video episodes um, the following day on YouTube as well. We are also broadcast on the All ACCS Network Tuesdays and Thursdays at 1 p.m. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us at Infinity Sports Podcast on Facebook, at Infinity Sports Podcast on Instagram, at Sports Infinity 5 on Twitter. Or at or www.infinitysportspodcast.com. That is our website. It has the links to all of our social media, including YouTube and our store where you can purchase Infinity Sports gear, uh, 12 is greater than 9 gear, the Sully collection. All of it's in stock. Order as much as you want. Christmas time's coming up. You know, it takes a couple weeks to come in. So start thinking ahead, people. Get them gifts, folks. <laughs> Now, normally we start things off with the news, but we wanted to start off uh, today with a new segment that, you know, kind of get us talking about things other than sports, because we kind of do a little bit of a news show, and it's getting a little stale, we think. we guys Maybe you guys agree or not, but we just kind of go over the news, and then it's over, and we need to get our personalities into it more, so I wanted to bring up some things we both love to debate, and we had a section called It's Debatable, and I think the intro video here that you guys see will explain everything, and if not, then we'll explain it once the video is over. Kind of blurry. That's better. Question. What kind of bear is best? That's a ridiculous question. False. Black bear. Well, that's debatable. There are basically two schools of thought. Fact. Bears eat beets. Bears. Beets. Battlestar Galactica. Bears do not... What is going on? What are you doing? So, I think one thing that's not debatable is how great the show The Office is. Right? I mean, it's it's 
it's my favorite show of all time. I, I'm gonna say it. You know, it's. I think it's the best show. It's. Li- I was literally just watching it before I came out here. No, I was watching the the run for the rabies cure uh, episode where he hits Meredith with the car. I was literally just watching that before I walked in here. Nice. Yeah. So this is our new. That's debatable. Graphic with Dwight's face. <laughs> so I think that that uh, kind of explains it all. Basically, what I wanted to do is I wanted to come up with a segment where. You know, Sully and I would talk about things that not necessarily hot takes, but just things that we feel differently than the majority of people feel. And it doesn't have to be about sports necessarily, although I am going to kick off with sports. If you don't mind, I was going to throw mine out there first. This is what I've been debating all all day today. Uh, Bill Russell is not a top 10 basketball player. I'm sorry. The top five, he doesn't even sniff because obviously we've got Will, MJ, LeBron, Kareem, Kobe. Kobe's interchangeable with Duncan. So my next five, I have Duncan, Bird, Magic, Shaq, and Olajuwon. I then also have Oscar Robertson and Elgin Baylor ahead of him. So really, at best, Bill Russell is the 13th best player, and he might even fall from there. I know a lot of Boston guys around here. You can see the background here. I'm in the Boston area. A lot of people are going to disagree with this, but Bill Russell, to me, does not belong in the top 10 of all-time NBA basketball players. I'll go one further. I don't think he's in the top 20. Wow, that's even hotter than I think. Yeah, I wouldn't. It, I'm not putting Bill Russell in, in the top 20 of my all-time. If I'm Building a team, he's. I'm not drafting him in my top twenty ever. Not once. Not even thinking about it. I mean, I've I've referred to him as a glorified Dennis Rodman. You know, he, he's a guy pulls down a lot of rebounds, doesn't score a lot of points. Athletic. Great winner, great leader, all of that. I understand the championships. I understand all of that. Uh, I mean, greatest basketball player. Maybe, I guess, like, I guess, because then decoration comes into account. But most talented, not even close, not even on my top 20, doesn't even smell my top 20. No, I, so that's, that was my first one. I thought, wow, that's debatable because if I bring that up around here, it probably doesn't happen so much down in Florida. But yeah. around here, you can't crap on Ted Williams, which I love to do. And you can't <laughs> crap on Bill Russell, which I also love to do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you hate Len Bias. So I don't hate him, but crap on Len Bias, too. So uh, that's yeah, all. just a bust. That's all. That's just a rib. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right. Well, mine's sports too, and it's kind of one just at a shot at you almost. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is the best college prospect ever in the history of college. That is very debatable. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good one. Um, I know that you kind of rate these guys, and you have uh, different grades and ratings for a, a lot of the guys. I don't know how far back uh, you go. Obviously, we talk about college achievements. I wouldn't put him even as the best college quarterback in the same realm as Tebow, but when we're talking about you know prospects, obviously. Um, yeah, Andrew Luck is was – as can't miss as you can get. Peyton Manning was extremely – I mean, Peyton Manning was the number one draft pick if he came out after his junior year and he stayed for his senior year and had a great year. You know, so this is – a to me, I think it's tough to say that Trevor Lawrence is a better prospect than, you know, Peyton Manning or, or Andrew Luck. I think he's better than Andrew Luck for sure. Uh, I think he's got a better arm. He's got more winning pedigree. You know, he's won the championships. He's done things like that. Uh, so th- I think that's where he su- surpasses him as a prospect. Let's not forget, he'd have been the number one pick last year uh, if he came out. He'll be the number one pick this year when he comes out. If he decides he doesn't want to come out, he'll be the number one pick next year. Uh, you know, foregoing a, a catastrophic injury. I mean, he's he's the best prospect I've ever graded so far. And I go back to 2005 was, was the first year I started grading prospects. Okay. So anyone before that? So obviously you didn't grade Peyton Manning. Um, no. That was 98. Yeah. 
you know, so I wasn't able to grade him. Uh, again, you know, like we talked about, like Penny Sewell is, is a guy. He's the highest graded offensive lineman I've ever graded. Um, and that's ahead of Quentin Nelson, um, who, who I think was just a god. I mean, most of the people who know me know how much I love Quentin Nelson. But, you know, so I didn't get to go grade like Orlando Pace and things like that either. Oh, yeah, Jonathan Ogden, those types of guys. Yeah, those types of guys. But, like, yeah, quarterback, I mean – I think Trevor Lawrence is just has everything and he's progressed every year, which I think is the craziest part because at 18, he was already the number one pick essentially. And now he's gotten better. I mean, this year he's playing almost his best football ever right now. So, well, he didn't start as a freshman, right? Didn't he take over for um, Kelly Bryant? Mm -hmm. And I mean, forced Kelly Bryant to transfer and, and, you know, essentially led that team to a championship. Well, to the championship game, you know? So, my next one is not sports related. Uh, this is something I've been saying for years and years. It actually ended up with a heated debate in a, our break room one day, which is that the Corvette is the poor man's sports car. Now, I know they totally remodeled it. It's a mid-engine now, so it's more like the Ferrari. It's The body, new body style is unbelievably great. It's so dope. But going before 2020 or 2019, whenever the new body style came out, to me, if you bought a Corvette, it screamed of midlife crisis. It also <laughs> screamed of cannot afford a Porsche, Ferrari, Lamborghini, but I can afford a Corvette because it's less than $100,000, you know? And so to me, it's a poor man sports car. And uh, I had said that to some people and in the break room I had, there was a gentleman who actually owned a Corvette and he took major offense to it uh, because he didn't consider himself poor. He was retired and he had money in the bank and whatever, but he owned a Corvette. And I was like, well, dude, why didn't you buy a Ferrari? It's because you can't afford one, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. The people who can afford the Corvette are the poorest of the sports car owners. Yeah, which is 100% true. And like you said, until the, the brand new models, I'd 100% agree with you. Uh, it, it screened midlife crisis, you know, especially where I'm from down here in, in like Tampa, St. Pete, Florida. Woo, you can't imagine the number of 60, 70 year old bald heads you see in like yellow Corvettes. And like, you know, the older style, the uglier ones. My, my, I mean, my mother's father, um, you know, has one and or had one, and it, boy, it was it was a red one, and it was just God. I remember it like it. We used to. I mean, internally, I'd be making fun of him. You know what I mean? It was funny. Yeah, I mean, the only thing worse really is when you go to like the Camaro and the Mustang, which shouldn't even be called sports cars. Um, well, they're muscle so with, cars. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you even want to call the Mustang, I had a Mustang LX. Was my first car ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a four cylinder. The thing was just a, a piece. Well, I mean, if you get like the dope ones, like the five like you know, those things are like nice. Like those, like those are actually well built, big engines that in a small bodied car that you can get cooking, man. But uh, yeah, the, got- the, the mass produced ones are, are cupcake cars. All right, my next one is hot dogs are the most underrated food on the planet. Ooh, yeah, see, that's tough. Um, I don't know if hot dogs are a staple of every cookout. Yeah, but I people rag on hot dogs and oh, you don't know what's in that and blah blah blah. I think hot dogs are fantastic. I think they're, I mean, they're gourmet food in my opinion. But now, are you saying the most underrated? I'm sorry, you say underrated food of all time? Yeah, like like I just feel like people bash on hot dogs and they're, they're absolutely delicious. Like. That's it. I don't care what's in it. I'm going to eat a hot dog. It's fantastic. I've never met somebody that wasn't like, "Uh, hot dogs are gross. (laughs) There's some people. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm definitely not one of those people. I love hot dogs. Um, 
but to say the most underrated, because like I said, it is a staple of every cookout. Hamburgs, hot dogs, chicken, steak. It's like it's going to be included in every cookout. So you can't be underrated if you're included all the time. To me, if you're talking about underrated food, how about corned beef hash? God, I love corned beef hash. You know, and, and it's so good. The problem with corned beef hash is, is it has to be like fresh. If it's canned, like I'm not a fan of corned beef hash. Like if you get like real like like cut up corned beef hash, like that's legit. I'm all for that. See, I like the canned stuff. I fry. Ugh. Chip beef could be could be one of the more underrated foods of all time. There's a lot of things because again, I just don't think hot dogs are underrated. I, I don't my know. whole thing is, I haven't been to a cookout in the last two years that has had hot dogs at it. Jeez, what are you going to vegan cookouts? No, I mean, just I'm 30, so like 33. So ki- my cookouts are kids. They're like you know grilling ribs and steaks, and nobody does hot dogs. Nobody. I mean, they're all disgusted by them. I don't. That blows my mind. I've never been to a cookout in my life that didn't have hot dogs. Every I've been to weddings that they serve hot dogs. I'm only going to the last two years because that's all essentially I can remember. I can't remember the last time I went to a cookout and there was a hot dog. That's just. I think you need to move out of Florida. Is what I think. I think it's a Florida thing. (laughs) (laughs) I need new friends. (laughs) Um, So my next one, also not sports related, I have uh, Grand Theft Auto Three is the greatest video game of all time. Now, obviously, in the discussion, we have Super Mario Brothers. The original is is right up there. Donkey Kong, Mortal Kombat is, is up there, but. Grand Theft Auto 3 set the stage for every open world game that exists in the world today. If you're talking about Assassin's Creed, you're talking about Saints Row, you're talking about uh, what's the the one where the guy goes exploring or whatever it is, um, Far Cry or something like that, right? Anything that is yeah, anything that's open world slash sandbox, whatever you want to call it, where you aren't following a mission story, if you're just doing whatever you want because it's open world, Grand Theft Auto 3 started that. So that's why, to me, and it was a great fun game. I mean, I couldn't put it down when I first got it. I had the PS3, and I was playing it on that. Couldn't put it down. I had a map. I was like circling things on my map as to where things were. <laughs> it was it was great. And, and like I said, it just it, it 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 is to me the benchmark of all video games. See, I can't side with you there because I don't play those kind of games. Those one, those kind of games aren't necessarily. I, I get the 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 fun in them, but to me, it gets boring after a certain amount of time. I like, you know, mission-oriented based games. So I like the shooters. I like the sports games. Uh, you know, I think COD 4, uh, the first Modern Warfare, is the best game of all time. Uh, I also think Model, uh, uh, Mario Kart or GoldenEye 2 are up there. So, See, I also I hate first-person shooters. Uh, oh, see. Yeah. Yeah. Ever since I ever since I played, I think, what was it, like Doom or something like that, way back in the day? Oh, uh, Doom was just, lit. You get all the cheat codes and shit. Uh, Doom was yeah, lit. Just hate those games, man. And, you know, if you're mission-specific, you can still play Grand Theft Auto and just do all the no, missions. And they have, like, a thousand side missions, too. Like, you yeah. don't have to just run around. I love running around just shooting stuff, but you don't have to do that. I used to play, like, the Need for Speed and stuff like that, which is, you know, just doing the missions and stuff. But I couldn't do the the just the... the I don't even know what you call them, the RPOs, I guess, the role-playing ones. I don't know. Well, it's not really a role-playing game because yeah, you're not, not building up. Like, yeah, so I don't know. But whatever those ones are called. Uh, my next one is uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is if – if, if I'm in a situation where I have to pick one quarterback, I'm picking Aaron Rodgers. Okay. 
So I don't know if I'd call – he's the most talented quarterback in my opinion. I also, if I have to win one game, if I have to win one drive, if I'm picking Aaron Rodgers. So two minutes to go, down Aaron four. Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Over Tom Brady. Oh, yeah. Whew, no way. Not even a Tom, thought. Yeah, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, I, I put over him. No. Um, and, and I, I like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. It's not a knock on Aaron Rodgers. I like Aaron Rodgers, but I, I don't think he's the most clutch, and I also don't think he's the most talented because we've had this discussion before. Yeah, My yeah, guy, yeah. Michael Vick. Oh, Michael God. Vick is Michael the most talented, no, most talented not. quarterback of all time. Yes, he is. He didn't have the accuracy. He didn't have the accuracy. Plain and simple, you have to be talent. accurate. That does, and talent, accuracy not is ability. part of talent. Yes, it, it is accuracy part is part of, of your talent. Yes, it is. Accuracy is a talent. So, like, Phil Simms is an incredibly talented quarterback. Yeah. Okay. So is Dan Marino. Well, Marino's different. He had a big arm. Um, Phil Simms did not have a big arm. When you're talking talent, you're talking arm strength, mobility. You're talking everything that encompasses that. So not having a big part in accuracy makes you not the most talented. To me, talent is raw materials. You're, you're talking about the most athletic. No, no, no. Raw materials. If you're going to carve a statue, you want to find a certain good piece of wood. This is the most talented piece of wood because I can really turn this into anything. Whereas you're talking about a statue that's already built. Like, hey, look at it. It's all curved and look at how it's curved. No, if it's already built, then there's no ta- – that's not talent. It's just – it's already built. It's ability. Uh, talent is the raw materials. Nobody no, had more raw not. materials than Michael So Vick. talent is performing. If I'm building a statue and it's not accurate – then it's not right. <laughs> so, and if you're not accurate on the football field, you don't have, I mean, talent is all encompassing. I think you're talking about specific things. You're talking about athleticism. That's not talent. They're two different things. So you consider arm strength athleticism? No. Okay. Well, Michael Vick had the biggest arm in NFL history, in my opinion. Okay. So there's one piece of talent. Okay. And then What's obviously his, his, his athleticism is the other piece of talent. Okay. He can't throw the ball worth a lick. He can't win games. Those are talents. He can't do those things. He ne- like, you know. I, I, I don't know. I think if you can teach it, it's not a talent. A talent is something that's innate. You don't, you, you, you don't yeah, learn it. I don't think you can teach accuracy. Oh, I disagree. Because I think no, there I think are guys who either, get. Yeah, they get more accurate because they understand a system more. There, there are guys who are better at at throwing and putting a, a ball in a spot that they want to put than, the, than another guy. That's just plain and simple. There are guys who are better than that at that than other guys. And that's why, what I mean by like talent and ability, like, like Aaron Rodgers can, Michael Vick could try his whole life and never throw a ball as accurate as Aaron Rodgers can. I don't know. It's tough. Cause I'm not as versed in football. I feel fairly versed, but like basketball, for example, like I feel like if you're a great shooter, Right, that's not talent because anybody can practice for an off season and become a forty percent three point shooter. Anybody, but you know, jumping from the free throw line and dunking it—that's talent. Like you can't just do that in, in an off season. I don't think anybody can become a forty percent three point shooter, or else everyone in the league would. No, because they don't tr- they don't practice it. So I mean, from what I hear, Giannis takes a thousand three pointers after practice, and he can't still hit a lick. But he's he's, he's a lot one better of the most athletic. He's, he's one of the most athletic freaks on the planet, but he still can only shoot 30%. So, uh, again, I, I think it's two different things. I really do. I think that's kind of what we're debating here at this point. Yeah, yeah I guess I joke <laughs> on that. Um, and uh, see, my last one that I had here is 
actually I had two more, but I'll just go with this one as my last one. Kind of a controversial one. So the Rooney rule, right? Not everyone loves the Rooney rule, which if you know what it is, basically in the NFL, if you hire a head coach, you have to interview a minority before you can hire a head coach. So even if you know you want Josh McDaniels as your head coach because he's not a minority, you can't just hire him. You actually first have to interview a minority, then you can hire Josh McDaniels. The idea is not necessarily to get more minorities in positions right away, but they get in that interview process and you start to say, wow, their name gets out there. They've interviewed for these two positions or whatever it is, and, and it kind of builds. So I actually want to expand on the Rooney rule. I want to have it where one of the three head coaches, meaning head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, has to be a minority on every team. Oh, God. So, I mean, all three of them could be, but at least one of them has to be. I hate that rule. I like it. I think that's a cool rule. Because I think how are you going to get a head coaching position if you've never been a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator? And again, when you've got a whole assistant team of white, you know, coaches, they're the ones and if you especially if you win a lot of games, they're all your white coaches are getting interviews at other places. They're the ones that the guys want. I think by forcing you to have at least one minority as a defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, or a head coach. So if your head coach is, is a minority, he, he can have two white offensive defensive coordinators. It doesn't matter. But at least one of them has to be, and that gives them even more opportunity because now when you're interviewing defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, you know, they I don't have to interview Mil, you know, a Minnesota's linebacker coach because the D.C. over in Seattle is, you know, a minority. Uh. Yeah, I mean, at, at that point, though, like when, whenever you force somebody to do something, you're you're potentially putting a a better qualified person behind them, and th- and that's what I don't like. Um, I don't like the fact that a, a more qualified person, whether he be white, black, brown, whatever, doesn't get a position because you're forced to do something. Uh, so that would be my only disagreement with the rule. Uh, I, I mean. It, I think it more needs to happen upstairs than down on the field. I think we're seeing it a ton on the field now. Uh, a ton of positional coaches are are minorities. Um, you know, a ton of these coaches, uh, uh, you know, coaches are are coming up the system now and and doing the things that they have to do. Like you said, you know, become defensive coordinators, things like that first. However, there are very few black owners and GMs, if any. So you know, outside of Ozzie Newsom, who just left, you know, I can't think of a black GM in football um, and then I, I'm 100% sure there's not a black owner so or a minority owner at that at that point so well Sean Cotton oh yeah that's true um, but I think that's where uh, essentially the, the trickle down effect or, or more rule expansion needs to be more front office positions need to be held by minorities Ownership's tough because now you have to find uh, a minority that has five billion dollars or ten billion dollars, and there's not yeah, a lot of minorities like on that. Stakes. Yeah, that's true. You are right. That is true. I mean, I, I'm not arguing with that. I mean, it, it, it's more. I, I think, like GMs, assistant GMs, you, you know, the positions that make decisions, I think, need to be filled with minorities if possible. You know, where they're applicable. Well, and, and I would say that the trickle-down effect is a lot of those general managers are former head coaches or assistant coaches, somebody like a Bill Belichick who was a coach slash GM at the same time. A lot of coaches do that. They're the coach and the GM at the same time. They have that in their contract. So now, it, again, it's hard. If you've got a majority of head coaches who are white and then they're becoming general managers, now they're white and now they're higher. You know what I mean? It's like that's why I like that, that rule of the three, one of the three. Yeah, but there's also a lot of players that are becoming general managers now. We've seen John Lynch do it. You know, and succeed at that level. Uh, 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 Theo Riddick, you know, was a tremendous, 
you know, GM and, and player personnel director, and, and I think does a great job on ESPN. Um, and, and I think he should, you know, get another front office job and hopefully, you know, more trickle in again. I just hate forcing somebody to do something. I, I guess that's my only problem with it. Well, and I, and I understand that my whole thing is that we've left it up to them for 75 years and they've done nothing about it. So at some point you've got, it's like your kid, your kid doesn't pick up his room at some point. You just got to make him pick up his room. I mean, I think the growth in the last 10 years has been exponential. Financial. So I, I think like, you know, a lot has changed in the last 10 years, especially in the league. You know, we're seeing predominantly now, uh, like, you know, the top arguably three of the top five quarterbacks are African-American, you know, so I, the Super Bowl winning quarterback and the MVP is African-American. The, the NFL is African-American at this point, um, you know, so I think we'll see more and hopefully we do, you know, honestly. All right. Uh, did you have any more that's debatable? No, I'm done. Okay, cool. Well, then let's get to... I mean, the Astros are fucking trash and the Rays are going to win, but that's not debatable. Uh-huh. Well, we'll get to that. All right, so it is time for the news, and the first bit of news we have is the Major League Baseball postseason where the Rays are up 3-0 on the Astros after 2-1, 4-2, and 5-2 wins, and they could potentially close it out tonight. Do you think they will, or do you think that the Astros uh, hang on for a second and and get get one win out of it? I think we close it. I mean, Glasnow's on the mound tonight. And I think he can. I think he can close it out for us. I mean, we're playing really good baseball right now. I think we want to close it out too. I think. I think we've got a, just as big as of a bone to pick with the Astros as anybody else. So. All right. I'm. Uh, my my dream of the Astros getting back there and winning it without the trash cans is looks like it's going to die. Uh, um, I was really rooting for him. So, and you know what's funny is I don't really care. Like I'm not really a yeah, baseball I know. fan. I, know. <laughs> I was just I was just rooting for him to be an asshole. You're just rooting for the bad guy just to be an. You're just rooting for the villain in the movie just for no reason, man. Who doesn't? That, that could be a great debate. Who doesn't, doesn't root for the root. villain in the movie? I mean, I, I root for some villains, not all villains. Uh, but like, I, I love to see Jose Altuve right now. Have you seen him with these yips? So the guy went all season with not a single throwing error. He's got, I think, five this postseason, four or five this postseason. Chuck Knobloch. Yeah, exactly. He just can't throw the he just can't throw the baseball anymore. And and that started the five run inning. He made a throwing error to second. I mean, an easy throw. Uh, And then the the floodgates just opened and we scored five. Now, before we get to the Brave series, let me ask: Who is your favorite uh, villain? Oh, God. I mean, you start talking, and I'll, I have to think about that. Because my all-time favorite movie character is Darth Vader. I think Heath Ledger's Joker may be my favorite villain. All right. Yeah. I think so. What I'd have to it? think about it. That's, that's a jump on me, but yeah. And I'm curious what it was because I watched The Dark Knight and I love Heath Ledger's Joker. It's it's so good. And then to watch like Suicide Squad and see Jared Leto as the Joker, which was his own spin on it. And, and that's fine. I mean, he doesn't have to – I mean, um, Heath Ledger did it completely different than Jack Nicholson. Jack and Nicholson, then, yeah. Yeah, and then you know, Leto's was kind of completely different than you know uh, Heath Ledger's. 
But I don't know. I felt like it was something. Was it because they were too over the top? I don't know. Something about Heath Ledger's Joker. I, I don't know. Like I could relate to him or something. I don't know. Exactly. That's really what it was. I, I mean, it it was a character like you could root for in this in that situation. Like I, I don't know really what it was either. He he was such. He just did such a good job. And I, I, I mean it. I, it's got to be him as a person that, like, you just feel like you can connect with the character, even though he's a villain. Yeah, that's one of the, I guess one of the rumors that came out because they talk about like Joker backstories, and they did the movie Joker, obviously, which gave kind of a backstory to the character. <coughs> Excuse me. In the uh, the comics, he doesn't have a backstory. Like the Joker doesn't have a backstory. So I liked the idea that Heath Ledger's Joker was uh, a former soldier suffering from PTSD, like severe PTSD. Yeah. I mean that. I mean, I, I don't. I don't hate that interpretation of it. I mean, the he, the the skills he possesses and things like that. You know, he had to have some kind of military background. You know what I mean? You would think at least it looked like he was moving that way. Um, Braves and Dodgers. <laughs> they started the game. It's two uh, zero Braves. Braves just pounding the Dodgers, and then eleven nothing in the first inning. Yeah, uh, and I was like, wow, that's uh, <laughs> the Dodgers are actually going to take one here. They just may. Uh, I, I still think the Dodgers could win the series. I, I still don't think the Braves necessarily have it wrapped up. Um, I do too, actually. I'm not going to lie. Kershaw hasn't pitched. I know he has back spasms, but I, I mean, I still think, you know, they're going to get Walker Bueller again, and, and I don't think Atlanta's going to be able to touch him up like they did last time. I mean, he's a stud. So I, I don't know. I think, you know, if they can get this game, obviously this one's important. Don't blow an 11 nothing lead. Uh, and then obviously you got to sneak out another one because you don't want to go down three one. But if you get it back to two two, I, I honestly, obviously, it's I think it's in favor of the Dodgers. All right. And outside of baseball, we then get to the NCAA football. Uh, one of the big news, obviously, Nick Saban and the athletic director at Alabama, the number two team in the country, testing positive for COVID. They have to go home and quarantine. Uh, I guess Steve Sarkeesian is going to take over uh, for Saban as the head coach of Alabama. But, you know, the SEC was the one who was like, we don't give a crap. We're all playing. We don't care about COVID. And now, of course, the first real football thing that comes up is Alabama. Well, actually, it's Florida. Uh, Florida shut down operations. They're not they're not even playing their game versus LSU this weekend. I saw that. That game got postponed. Yeah, because I think 18 of them have fucking COVID. So, you know, and, and meanwhile, uh, Mullins is like, we want a 90,000 fans packed stadium for our games when we're at home, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you knew it was going to happen. It, it, you know, it's happened in the NFL. You knew it was going to happen in college eventually. I, I'm interested to see how they handle it. Uh, you know, I'm interested to see what the Pac-12 and the Big Ten do. Um, especially seeing like, you know, how COVID affects this, are they still going to play? I mean, I already don't think it's very fair that, you know, now these teams are losing and, and Alabama and things like our Ohio state and other teams are like essentially moving up rankings because other teams are losing that are actually playing. And uh, it's going to be a whole shit show this whole NCAA season, I think. Yeah. I was going to say uh, Ohio state's rated sixth in the country. There's zero and zero. Yeah. It's like, how is that? Like how, like, come on, like, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Hey, well, it's the sports writers, I guess. I mean, it's not like the the computerized thing that figures I know, but it out. Still, it's it, it's shit. Like, what are, they're just going to show up, win a, a random game against Iowa, and you know, be the number two two ranked team in the nation. Well, uh, Clemson made a statement, uh, forty two to seventeen over number seven Miami. I mean, just completely annihilated them. So, I don't think Clemson 
looks like they could lose to anybody. But I guess once it gets to the playoffs, you never know. It's one game playoffs. So. Yeah, you truly never know. But I mean, that team's just so they're so deep at every position. I mean, it's just their defensive line is just deep and so young. And then Travis Etienne is just an, an NFL player playing in college right now. He's just bigger, stronger, faster than all these running back than all these uh, defensive players. And then obviously it helps when you've got the best ever in Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the guy just makes great. He does. He just makes great decisions, and he's just really, really good. Man, he's just good. I was surprised to see. I was probably North Carolina is ranked eighth in the country. I mean, when's the last time we saw UNC way up there? They got a really good, their quarterback's a stud. He's probably the number one pick next year. Um, he's a stud, uh, and then their running back. I, God, I can't. It's Hart, I believe. Uh, I mean, the kid's good. The kid's really good. He breaks a lot of tackles. He plays really good football. Uh, and I believe their defense gives up like the third least amount of rushing yards in, in the whole in the whole country. So I haven't had a chance to see him play yet, but I know they've got a couple prospects that are just really good. The quarterback, especially, and that's what college, matters in college football. All right, and uh, what else do I have here for uh, college football? Because we never talk college football. We rarely um, do, yeah. which is a shame. So, I mean, do you think this uh, COVID thing with Florida uh, may have actually come at the right time because they just lost 41-38 to 38 to Texas A&M? Um, so maybe going into LSU, it's kind of like, oh, well, this, before we play LSU, maybe a few guys are sick. Oh. Uh, maybe, you know, I think we would have beaten LSU. I, I mean, I, obviously, I think we should have beaten. I say we. I'm a big Florida fan. Um, I think we should have beaten um, – Texas A&M, you know, obviously a last-second field goal. Our defense has gone to shit. We can't find a guy to brush the passer, which is the real issue. But, I mean, Kyle Trask is, I mean, the boy's playing himself into an NFL team right now. He looks like a legit player, a legit stud. Uh, Kyle Pitts is just, I, I mean, I don't think we've seen a tight end this good in a long, 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 long time. Uh, he's going to go top 10 for sure, I think. So, well, here's a question for you as a Florida fan, uh, because here's something I've always wondered, which is why so many people hate Tim Tebow. Because my whole thing is looking at like LeBron James. I tell people like LeBron James is a great player, but I understand why people don't like him because he's kind of a douche when he talks. There is no better player in sports maybe to root for than Tim Tebow, and yet – it's literally like LeBron. There's like half the people hate him. And I don't understand. Why do you hate this guy? I don't understand it either. I mean, people hate winners and love to. Are you getting that? Yeah. yeah I'm reading this here. It says uh, we're having trouble streaming to Facebook. This may be an issue on Facebook's end. It is possible the stream was ended or deleted on Facebook. Uh, we'll keep trying and let you know if it's resolved. Please check Facebook to ensure the stream looks okay. If this continues for a while, try creating a new broadcast or just remove this destination. Oh, okay, so this is for the all-access sports. Okay, so it's still streaming on RTF oh, on, on our page. On, on our page. Okay. Yeah, so yeah it's, it's just not streaming on the ACC network. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my apologies. What were we talking about? Uh, why people hate Tebow. That threw me. Oh, I honestly have no idea. I mean, obviously, I, I'm going to throw some opinions out here. I think the Christian thing doesn't help. Uh, whenever you blast any religion, you're going to get hatred from a side that doesn't like that religion, you know, fair or unfair. Um, and then just all the success he had, I, I don't think people liked. And I, I mean, there's going to get haters at that point. And then also for all the success he got, he should have never been drafted where he was. Um, 
you know, first round pick is just insane for a guy who can't throw the football. Well, again, and we can blame Josh McDaniels for that. There's no reason to hate Tebow that he got picked in the first no, round. No, I don't. I don't hate him, but and, and I also look at like the fact too, like you said, the success. And you remember, like obviously, from the minute he walked on to training camp, people were clamoring, "We want Tebow. We want. Tebow. We don't want Kyle Orton." Which I don't blame. I don't want Kyle Orton either. You know, but uh, <laughs> so like we want Tebow. We want Tebow. And McDaniels really wouldn't play him, which surprised me because he took the guy in the first round, but he wouldn't play him. And then uh, John Fox took over after McDaniels got fired, and. I think they started off 0-4 or something like that, and he was like, all right, fine, we're down 30 points. Here's Tebow, everybody. Let's see what he can do. And he scored 30 points and a half and tied it up. <laughs> and, won the game. <laughs> and he had to give him the – and then he won seven in a row or whatever it was, six in a yeah. row. And it was like all he does is win, you know. But it's like – and the more he won, the more people hated him. And, and I was just like – and yeah, after every game, like we talk about the religious thing, and I'm not a, a religious guy at all. But like if at the end of every press conference he says, thank you, God bless – Really? Does that bother you? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it, no, but it does bother some. And just like the way he was so out, open about, it. like I remember the the John, the John three sixteen he used to wear that they banned yeah. him from wearing, and then you know the Tebow the kneeling, obviously. You know, I mean, that was a whole thing. Like you know, whenever you have that much kind of, I guess, any kind of camera time, you're gonna get you know haters essentially. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised more deserved teammates or undeserved. Didn't, I'm surprised more teammates didn't come out after. Uh, you know, it didn't work out for him because he seems like the kind of guy that you would follow into the fire. Like if he's the leader mm-hmm. of your team, like you're following him. Um, and yeah, after he was, uh, after Denver moved on from him with Peyton Manning, it was like people were like, oh yeah, music to my ears. Glad we have a, a quarterback who can throw the ball now. And it's like, oh, I, I guess so much for this guy that kind of got you yeah. to the playoffs and got you to win a playoff game. Exactly. And brought you back into overtime and beat the Steelers. So. NBA offseason, can we? It's finally an offseason after three hundred five days of a season. <laughs> I mean, literally, since last October is when the the season started. Started, uh, but no, some NBA offseason news. Uh, Jeff Van Gundy, I guess, interviewing for the Rockets. Um, I don't like it. He already coached the Rockets at one point, and I know him and Mark Jackson. Somebody said on Facebook, they said, "Why is him and Mark Jackson trying to one up each other in this broadcast?" Because well, they're both going for the same jobs, so <laughs> they're trying to show they know more than the other one. But I, I don't like Jeff Van Gundy. He's, he's not a favorite of mine. Uh, mine either. Uh, you know, if, if we're talking about head coaching candidates, he's probably you know really far down on my list. I'd rather have shit. I'd rather have Tyrone Lue. So, yeah. I mean, I'd rather have his brother Stan Van Gundy. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then the other NBA offseason news. This is something that I've been arguing with people about, the NBA low ratings for the finals, right? And people are like, oh, the, the ratings are low. It's because of all the, the messages and all this stuff. Well, I went through and I looked at all the ratings each day of the finals. The NBA finals were the highest rated show in all of television every day, except for the one day they went up against the NFL. Other than that, the NBA finals was the number one watched thing on television. And so, yes, ratings across the board for Friends and Seinfeld and whatever else you're watching, it's all down, you know. But the NBA finals were still the highest rated show. So how can we say that the ratings are down? Because they are down from last year's ratings. Right. Well, but everybody's uh, down. People, yeah, I understand that. But less people are watching basketball right now and, and more people are watching football, uh, plain and simple. Uh, I think the – I don't know if it's the the message or what it was or just people don't like the – I mean, there's plenty of people who are calling it the COVID championship and things, the COVID cup and things like – and they just don't care, you know, plain and simple. Um, but, I mean, you can't argue that ratings are down and, and you know, uh, I mean, what the cause of that is, you know, you can only speculate at that point. 
the COVID, the bubble championship. I saw somebody say that LeBron's three six and one in the finals. Yeah, I saw that three six and one. Like you could argue, you're just trying to argue anything you want at this point. Yeah, it just it's a shit. So I kept saying, all right, let's take away one of Tim Duncan's then because you know, he played in a shortened season. So yeah, right. He only he only had four. four he's four zero oh, and one. Yeah. No, actually, he lost he yeah. lost LeBron, so he's four one and one. Yes, maybe something like that. Four one and one. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Uh, so, in the last bit of news thing, I had NFL news. Uh, Le'Veon Bell gets released by the Jets. Uh, they couldn't find a trade partner for him, so he's a free agent. He's out there. Just, I, I would think there would be a pretty good-sized market for this guy. Oh, for sure. I hear the Chiefs are interested. Um, I, I, you know, I was, I've heard a bunch of links to a bunch of different teams, the Bucks, for some reason. Um, but we'll see. You know, he's got, all, he's still has tread on his tires, so somebody will, somebody will milk him for all he's got. His last game, he had 11 carries for 60 yards. It's more than five yards a carry. Yeah, it's 6.6. Yeah, well, five point. Well, you said 11 carries for 66 yards, right? 60 yards. Oh, oh, okay. Well, then, yeah. Anyways, so, uh, yeah, I, I know we mentioned it, I think, in a previous episode, maybe even last episode. I said, I want to see him go to the Cardinals and, and take over for Kenyon Drake as the, the lead back in Arizona. Yeah, that'd be, I mean, even if it's not even a lead, just a split, I think that'd be nice. He may have to go to Denver, maybe, in a situation now. Uh, because they're going to lose Melvin Gordon here, it looks like, uh, to DUI. And I guess like the mandatory sentence is like a two- to three-game suspension or some shit like that. Uh, right. So maybe he goes there and, and fills in while Philip Lindsay's down and Melvin Gordon are down. Who knows? You know, they may be, they may have to do it out of desperation. I also heard New England links too. So. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't they're love Sony Michelle. So. But um, yeah, so Cam Newton joins the Patriots on Thursday, and so he should be ready to go on Sunday. So finally, we get to see the Patriots play. Um, very excited for that. Even though I was kind of looking forward to Stidham being the starting quarterback uh, for a game. Whatever, we'll get Cam back in there. Stidham will be the starter next year. He finally had his shot. Like this is Stidham's shot to show it. And no nope, game got delayed. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so that brings us to our uh, uh, our ratings here. Our our predictions. Uh, we did good last week. Both of us went seven and five. Uh, actually, I think we, yeah, eight and five, actually, because we both got the Monday night game right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so, over under, we do over under and versus the spread. Yeah. <laughs> over under and uh, versus the spread. And the first game, the first game we got here, obviously, is we have the Carolina Panthers and the Chicago Bears. It's 44 and a half of the over under the bears are getting two and a half from the Panthers. Now I did my thing cause it worked out for me last time, which was the whole Vegas score predictor and going by the spread and the, uh, the over under I've got the bears oops, other side. So the Panthers 24, 21. And I was looking at that. And I said, you know what? I think the Panthers cover the spread plus two and a half. It's not a very big spread. I think the Panthers can beat that. I don't love Nick Foles. I think he's still a guy who can throw two or three interceptions in a game. Um, I don't like their backup quarterback either. But I do think both those teams don't play great defense, so I could see that being an over type of game where it's like 28, 27, or whatever. Although that wouldn't cover the spread. But I'm saying Panthers cover the spread, and they go over. 28, 27 would cover the spread. No, no, because then the Bears would win. I'm taking oh, the Panthers. I the over. Oh, okay. Um, oh, I'm taking the Bears all day. I'll probably take the Bears' money line at this point. Um, and it's going under for sure. The Bears have a top five defense. What are you talking about? Um, well, I think that uh, Teddy Bridgewater is going to light him up. Khalil Mack's going to eat. Eat. Nom, 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 nom. Yeah. Three touchdowns for Teddy Bridgewater. Start him in fantasy. Oh, fuck that. 
<laughs> um, we got the uh, the Lions and the Jaguars, 54 and a half, uh, higher scoring game, 10 points more, three and a half uh, to the Jaguars. Again, score predictor, 29-25, Lions. Uh, looking at this one here, uh, I like the way the Jags are playing. I like the way Gardner Minshew's playing. I don't love the Lions, so I figure plus three and a half. I think the Jaguars could win this one, so I could take that money line, but I'm still going to take the three and a half just to be safe. And I think this one's an under, because even though both these quarterbacks throw for a lot of yards, they also turn the ball over when it matters, so that means less points are scored. So I'm taking uh, the Jaguars and the under. I'm taking the Jaguars and the over. Jaguars could win this game outright, too. So I agree with that. But I think this is a game where both teams' defenses suck. And so this one could go over pretty easily. I can see a 34, you know, 31 game, honestly. All right. Vikings and the Falcons, 55 is the over-under, plus three and a half to the Falcons. I said plus three and a half with that crap bag Falcons team. Uh, take the Vikings and give up the points all day long. Uh, however, 55 made the score prediction 30 to 25. I don't know if the Beng- or the Falcons can score 25 points with that crap show, so I'm going to say the under here as well, but I'm taking the Vikings and giving up the points. Oh, I love it. I'm going Falcons. I, I honestly might take this money line too. Um, and then uh, I'm going the over also. There's no way Cameron Dantzler and Jeff Gladney are going to stick with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. It's just not going to happen. And that's if Julio right. plays, but still. The Giants and the Washington football team. This is going to be a great game to watch. Uh, it's like a Thursday night game almost. <laughs> <clears throat> the uh, the Giants are giving up three points to Washington. The over-under is 43, which means we have a predictive score of 23-20. Uh, it would be the ugliest 23-20 game imaginable. I took Washington here because I actually think Washington's not bad, and I'd like to see Alex Smith get a win here. But I took the over um, because, like I said, 23-20 is a really ugly game. Neither one of these teams do I love to stop the air raid, and I think that Daniel Jones could throw four touchdowns in this game. I think Alex Smith could throw two or three. So I'm, I'm taking the over for sure, but I'm taking Washington. Man, it's a day the underdogs for me. I'm taking Washington too, um, but I think I'm going to take the over. I think Chase Young feasts against uh, Andrew Thomas. I think he has a big day. Uh, that's a matchup I don't like for New York. So um, I think if, if Washington football team can get a lead, then they can let Chase Young pin his ears back. I think Daniel Jones could have a long day. All right, you said the over? No, the under. Oh, under. Okay. Let me cross that out. All right. Uh, next game we have here is the Steelers and the Browns. 51. The Steelers are giving up three and a half, which gives us a predictive score of 27-24, give or take. So I was looking at this one here. I, I'm taking the Browns because they're playing really good football. They're 4-1. I know the Steelers, uh, they're either 4-0 or 4-1, so they look really good as well. But I do like that Browns offense, uh, so I'm taking the Browns. I'm giving up or taking the points in the Browns, and uh, I'm doing the over because I think this could be a shootout between Baker Mayfield and uh, ben, Big Ben. I'm going to take the Steelers. I've been riding them all year. Um, their rush defense is just too good. Uh, I think they're going to shut down their running game, and that's the strength of Cleveland. I think if you can shut down their running game, you can beat them pretty easily. So I think I'm going to take the three and a half and. I'll take the under. Under. 
Next game on the docket, we have the Ravens and the Eagles. This one's a seven and a half point game, 47 and a half. So they're expecting it low scoring. It actually works out to 28 20 ish. And uh, yeah, Carson Wentz has just been buried. This Ravens defense is going to get after him and probably sack him six or seven times. That's just the way it's going for him. So I'm actually taking uh, the under on this one because I think it's going to be a low scoring game. And because Lamar Jackson didn't look good last game either. So a lot of not, not a lot of points here between these two teams. But I am taking the Eagles because I think that the Ravens are going to win. But I think that the Eagles will uh, they won't cover the spread. I'm going to go Baltimore. I think – I mean, nobody blitzes more than Baltimore, so it's, it's going to come twofold. Either Carson Wentz is going to feast on the blitz or he's just going to collapse. I'm going to bet on the collapse. Uh, so I'm going to go Baltimore, and I think I'm going to take the under as well. The Colts are seven-and-a-half-point favorites over the Bengals. Over-under is 46-and-a-half. Predictive score, 27-20. Uh, looking at this game here, I actually took the Bengals because, again, seven and a half is a lot of points. And I do like Joe Burrow and what he's doing there. The Colts, I know, have a pretty decent defense. They have a great offensive line. But I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. And I'm thinking maybe, you know, 20 to 14 or something like that. Either way, even if the Colts win, they don't cover the spread. So I'm taking the Bengals in the seven and a half, and I'm taking the under. Uh, I do think this one's going to be close, but I mean, this one could easily be 24 to 14, you know what I mean? And they lose by 10 and it's still technically a close game. Um, I'm going to go with the under as well, but I'm going to take the Colts. I know that one's a reach. I love the Bengals too, but, and they've been, they've, they've covered for me a bunch. Now one that you might be interested in here, Green Bay and Tampa Bay, the battle of the Bay's. 54 is the over-under, two points to Tampa Bay, so basically a predictive score here, 28-26. Uh, looking at this, I actually took the Packers because I think that they are going to win by more than two points, and I took the over because I think it's going to be a shootout. I'm going to take the Bucks and the over. Uh, I agree. Um, I think it's going to be a shootout, but I think we win. I think we, we have the defensive stop in us, and I don't think they do, but we'll see. You don't trust your guy Aaron Rodgers to win it in the clutch? I mean, it's my team. I'm going to go with my team. All right. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers doesn't play defense. <laughs> uh, the Rams and the 49ers, 50-and-a-half, 3-and-a-half. This one to me is this is my lock of the week. Take the Rams and give up the 3-and-a-half because that 49ers team is absolute trash. They looked horrible last week. The Rams look great. They're doing everything really well. So I said take the, uh, the Rams money line, that's my prediction here, and take the over because I don't think either team plays great defense despite the fact that Aaron Donald might get – three sacks uh the 49ers i think could still uh score 20 points and if it's 30 to 20 you know and it's right around that so i'm taking the over and uh, i'm giving up the three i'm gonna take the under but i'm gonna take the rams um you know divisional games are usually close and low scoring um but i think the rams are, are playing really good football right now. they're just clicking on all cylinders the dolphins get eight and a half over the Ugh. jets and 47 and a half 
Well, so this is a game. I mean, you'd mentioned you said uh, the Jets could play Washington and lose all 16 games if they played them. It's just such a bad team. So I actually took the Dolphins because I think they are going to cover that eight and a half. Uh, Fitzmagic threw for 375 yards, whatever it was last year. 49ers by 30. Like. <laughs> yeah, he's he's going to completely shred uh, the Jets team. However, I took the under because it could be 35 nothing, and that won't cover the spread. I agree 100% on both sides. I expect a t- maybe a 28-7 game. My game here, the Patriots get eight and a half, or they give up eight and a half uh, against the Broncos, 45 and a half. Now the Broncos, uh, we knew that Cam Newton's coming back. We mentioned this, so that's uh, good news for the Patriots. But the Patriots are kind of a a grinded out team. They run their quarterback. They run three different running backs. They throw short passes. Um, They aren't really a a deep attack team. So on here, I went with uh, the Broncos. Because I think the Patriots are going to win, but I don't think they're going to beat them by eight and a half. I think this could be like a, a 24 to 20 type of game, uh, which puts it right around the spread. But I went a little bit over the spread uh, with these teams, even though I think New England's defense could potentially shut down Denver. I'm taking the, the Broncos in the over. I'm actually going to ride with your Patriots, I think. You know, no Melvin Gordon, too, I think is going to be a big deal. So I, I think it's going to be. I'm going to take the under also. I think this one could be a a 24-10 game, maybe even a 21-10 game. And the last game we are predicting is the Cardinals and the Cowboys, 54-and-a-half, two-and-a-half to the Cowboys. Now, I've been riding the Cardinals and Kyler Murray all year. I'm not about to stop. I think they beat the Cowboys by more than two-and-a-half. Sorry, Red Rocket. I just don't think you're going to cover that spread. And I went with the over because I think that it's probably going to be like a a 35-10. to 28 game or something like that. I'm going to go with Cowboys here. Uh, I, I like Andy Dalton. Um, I think he's a more than serviceable quarterback. I think Ezekiel Elliott's going to feast. Um, I think they they actually win the game. So I take the Cowboys in the money line, honestly. Uh, and then I will take the over as well. Well, based on the way it's going, either one of us is going to do really well this week and one of us is going to do really bad this week. <laughs> I'm going to go with me doing really well because you suck. I don't know. I had a, I, my Vegas score predictor, I'm telling you, that worked for me last week. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it does. Um, <laughs> so that kind of uh, wraps up the show. Actually, we got seven minutes. Uh, obviously, there's nobody really watching. Um, <laughs> but how can we close out the show here? For the last couple minutes, I'm, I mean, people won't get to hear it on the All ACCS Network because they cut you out for seven minutes of commercials at the end of the show. Um, sons of bitches. I don't know if we. Uh, I think we covered everything. Um, hopefully, everybody liked the uh, the that's debatable. Uh, yeah, for sure. Episode. I mean, hopefully, people like that. I mean, I I kind of liked it. You know, it's nice to just throw new things out there. Uh, you know, stir up some conversation. You know what I think stirs up the most of our conversation, and it seemed like during this show, a lot of movie talk. I love talking movies. Um, so whether it's talking about your favorite villain or just talking about you – know, actually, one of my That's Debatables was going to be that Pulp Fiction sucks because uh, <laughs> um, that's it's one of so my uh, – Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't even it's so good. It's not good at all. Samuel it L. Is. Jackson's good. You, you take him out of that movie, and it's like taking Aaron Rodgers off the Packers. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I think the there were a lot number, of good parts in that movie. Uh, I don't know. Uh, to me, and I've said this a number of times, I'll say it to close the show. Quentin Tarantino is a coffee house director. He puts together movies, whether it's, um, you know, Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs or what have you. 
he puts together movies that if you wear a turtleneck and a beret and you get your coffee at a place called Tom's Coffee House, you read your poetry at open mic night, you probably like Quentin Tarantino movies. But those people feel like he's sold out, I think, for Django Unchained and for um, Inglorious Bastards, which were both great movies and appeal to a mass audience. And when you're one of those coffee house nerds, you hate movies that appeal to a mass audience. So I think that Tarantino sold out a little bit in those two. I'd love to see him continue doing that, but most of his original stuff is garbage. I don't know. I, I like a lot of his stuff. I'm a big fan of his. I think Kill Bills are fantastic. Um, and then uh, the damn, what's the, the Sicario too? I think is incredible. So, see, I'm the guy who would go into that coffee house and be like, "Hey, you have, you have any Michael Bay stuff?" And he'd be like, yeah. Who's <laughs> <laughs> Hey, there's nothing wrong with Michael Bay. No, I love Michael Bay. Doesn't he do the Bad Boys? I don't know. Did he? I thought he was the Bad Boys. That'd be sick. I love Bad Boys. I know he was the uh, Transformers director. Yeah, then I think so because he's big on explosions, like lots of explosions. Yeah. Um, Then the (laughs) other guy, J.J. Abrams, is the Star Wars. Um, Yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, and then now Favreau, which was Favreau from Star Wars. Yeah, he does the Mandalorian. I know he does Mandalorian. Yeah, and I, I believe he's going to be working on the new Star Wars as well. Because um, Mandalorian's, I mean, been done so well and it's so incredible that I think that now they're going to be like, hey, bring that shit over here. Mandalorian new season drops in six days. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward. Actually, what I'm looking the most forward to is actually not Mandalorian. It is uh, Cobra Kai season three. Yes. Uh, in January. Yes. I can't wait for that, too. Uh, do you see, I, I'm not a big fan of Dexter, to be honest with you, hot take. Um, but he, they're, they're dropping like a, a new series and this, the original guy's coming back. Yes. I never watched Dexter. I know people talked yeah. about it and I was like, hey. yeah, it was, it was good. I mean, the ending left me wanting. And so like, I don't know, it was all right. Breaking Bad sucked. There's a hot oh, take. Oh, fuck. Are you out of your mind? Breaking Bad's phenomenal. There's, there's a, there's a, that's debatable. I think Breaking <laughs> Bad sucked. Oh, so if they came out with another season of Breaking Bad, I would be all uh, over it. Ozark, too, sucked. See, I haven't seen Ozark. I heard similar, but I haven't seen Ozark. It's, a, I mean, it's, hard. Right. it's slow, and then it's like, ugh. So, I don't know. I'm definitely a big fan of Jesse Pinkman. He's one of my all time favorite TV characters. Yeah. I hated that show. Legitimately couldn't stand it. I don't know what you didn't like about it. Everything. Name one thing that was good about it. Nothing. Jesse was hilarious. Uh, all right. That's that's not <laughs> why I'm watching Breaking Bad. It's for comedy relief. Well, you said name one good thing. That's that's. Good. Right. I, I well, thought you, you didn't right. think that uh, who's the guy that plays Walter White there? Um, Jesus. Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston. You didn't think he was great as uh, as Heisenberg? No. Oh, I mean, so I thought he was all right. I didn't like a lot of the supporting characters around. His wife is a fucking cunt. And I hated everything about her. Uh, I didn't like her, uh, but I uh, love. I mean, um, uh, Gus Fring was great. Um, Mike the cop was fantastic. I mean, they did. The- I, I got through season one and then I couldn't do it. And I heard season two gets much better and things like that. But if a whole season was bad, then what am I going to watch a show for? That's not necessarily true because I've watched seasons of shows where the first season I was like, eh, and then like two, three, four, I'm like, wow, all right. Now, was, my least favorite season of Breaking Bad was season five. I, I thought they should have ended it in the fourth year. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things like that. I mean, Game of Thrones is one of my all-time favorite shows, and they should have ended that, you know, a different way. So, 
Uh, well, thanks for joining us and listen to our movie slash TV talk. <laughs> we'll try to do some more of it uh, next episode. Um, if you want, tune in. Uh, if you're listening, you're probably not even watching this now. There's no watchers, but I am going to be on the Mike and Mike show uh, arguing LeBron James as the uh, better than Michael Jordan. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, otherwise, uh, Kenny, you played against Michael Jordan. Uh, you think I'm going to win this one? <laughs>